0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Facts Matter brought to you by the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. I'm here with Tim Mitchling today. Tim, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. How are you, Monique?
0: I'm well. Thanks for asking, Tim. So today we're going to talk about the Michigan Reconnect program. So this is a program That um, Tim has done some research on. um, It's regarding education. And Tim, I would just like for you to talk a little bit about um, this program. What is the Michigan Reconnect program? Can you give us some background information on it?
1: Yeah, for sure. So in essence, the Michigan Reconnect program, uh, it touts itself as a tuition-free program for adults to go back and Either complete a degree they previously started, or to uh, to start a new one and complete a uh, post-secondary degree or credential. And so the program is focused on Michiganders who are 25 years or older, um, and it provides financial support for uh, either a community college two-year degree or a you know industry-specific uh, or technical certification um, in a variety of different in-demand trades.
0: And this month, February, marked the first full year that this program has been functioning. Can you talk about how the program did in its first year? Um, Do you know how it's modeled? Can you explain that to us a little bit?
1: Yeah, so the Michigan Reconnect program uh, was sort of first uh, proposed by Governor Whitmer. during her first state of the state address after taking office. Um, Eventually, the the idea actually came from the state of Tennessee which has the Tennessee Reconnect program as well as the Tennessee Promise program. Uh, Those programs were designed to boost the number of residents in Tennessee who were attaining uh, post-secondary, so after high school, uh, credentials and degrees. they worked really well in Tennessee, and so the governor said, maybe this is something we should try here in Michigan. Um, that eventually got off the ground as the Futures for Frontliners program, uh, which was a tuition program for uh, frontline workers during the coronavirus pandemic. And then the legislature um, passed legislation to create the now Michigan Reconnect program, uh, which, took off uh, last year. So we've, we've just passed the one year mark. Um, in terms of how it's going, uh, the state you know, announced that there have been uh, 91,000 uh, folks that have taken advantage of this program and are starting to utilize the program to go back to school. Um, how many of them finished still remains to be seen. Uh, so it's it's hard to evaluate a program that's only been out there for, for one year.
0: And 91,000 is a pretty good number, considering the fact that some adults like don't really seek post-secondary education. So to hear that number um, is, is really good, especially in the first year. So I think yeah. that, you know, that gives us gives the program a little bit of hope. But I do want to talk about what post-secondary education looks like in Michigan. Can you talk a little bit about um, the numbers that post-secondary education and degrees, um, what they've looked like? Um, Have they increased, decreased over the past few years? Um, And then what are some issues that Michigan has faced as it pertains to um, people wanting to seek post-secondary education?
1: Yeah, that's a a great question and and a huge one. In fact, so the, the question of post-secondary education as it pertains to Michigan Reconnect and other similar programs um, is that to remain economically viable and competitive, estimates have come forward from groups like the Lumen Foundation, namely, that say that areas need, like Michigan states, countries, we, we need to have... Uh, 60% of our population with at least some sort of post-secondary credential, whether that's uh, a skilled trade certification or a technical certification or, or a degree to remain economically competitive and, and have viable economies. Uh, Michigan is way behind the mark for that uh, 60% by 2025. Uh, Michigan Reconnect sets the goal of 60% by 2030, so we're giving ourselves sort of an extra five years um, and it, so the the program is really uh, an economic development approach where we want to see that population uh, density of degrees, but when you look at higher education overall in Michigan, enrollment rates have been declining at our colleges and our, our universities and community colleges for the last several years. Um, Michigan falls behind the national average for the number of adults with any kind of post-secondary credential, and then for folks with bachelor's degrees or higher, uh, we're even farther behind the national average. In terms of that goal of having uh, 60% of our population having some sort of credential, um, really the only county that has already surpassed that is Washtenaw County, which um, isn't surprising because Washtenaw County has not only the University of Michigan, but also Eastern Michigan University, Washtenaw Community College, Concordia University. It's a pretty education dense area of the state. Um, Oakland County uh, is not far behind and we've got a handful of other counties that have done uh, pretty well at educating their population. Um, the thing that I would say is that while it's important for the economy, to have college graduates within communities. There are all sorts of other community benefits that we see, university graduates, have higher incomes on average. They have lower rates of unemployment. They're more economically resilient in general. Um, We also see higher rates of civic engagement and volunteerism, charitable giving. When we look at college graduates, there's much less reliance on public assistance as well because they are so economically resilient. And we see other social benefits. There is a a pretty well-documented spillover effect that when a community has a high concentration of college graduates, um, workers in those communities that maybe didn't go to college still enjoy higher incomes. And we also see health and social benefits that are associated with higher levels of education. And it's, you know, there's some question of how much of it is correlation versus causation, because obviously people who, have, you know, a college degree, they have maybe a job with higher income, uh, they have more resources, they have more access to health care. Um, they also tend to engage in healthier behaviors, so a healthier diet, less drug use, uh, less tobacco use, and alcohol specifically, there's some studies have shown a greater ability of college graduates to adapt and change when they need to change their behavior for their health. But it could also be in some cases that people who grew up in a healthier environment um, are also then more able to go to college. And so it's a, you know, there is some bi-directional action going on in that relationship. And and certainly some of it is, is, is just correlational, but, Um, Some epidemiological studies are starting to assert that there may be some causal effects where education makes us healthier, the more of it we get.
0: And I I agree with that. The fact that having a post-secondary education in today's society is so important. Um, There are so many benefits to it. And you mentioned in your piece that there is a gap in bachelor's degree attainment for the state. I just want to talk about that a little bit because what is causing this gap? Is it a, a lack of people being able to afford college? Um, is it by choice? Is it there a funding to poverty ratio decline? Like, What is the, the reason that there's such a gap compared to other states like you mentioned Tennessee?
1: Yeah, well, I, I would say Tennessee started their programs because they had a pretty big gap too, but we see other states that do really well, like in terms of our neighbors, Minnesota uh, and Illinois have higher uh, numbers of college graduates than than Michigan does. It, there's not a single reason. There Rarely is there a single reason in public policy for anything. But one of the things we know from the research we've done at Citizens Research Council is that the state of Michigan has invested um, less on a per pupil basis in higher education um, and over time, that's led to rising tuition rates. Um, some argue a decrease in, in quality as well in higher education. And so more of that cost is, is being put onto students. And so for some, I think they look at it and they, if they're looking at education just in terms of how much am I going to pay and what's the job and, you know, that I'm going to get with this degree, a lot of people say this doesn't look like a good investment um, and obviously, in the United States, we have a huge issue with uh, student debt burden as well. And then I think there are some, you know, cultural reasons as well. In terms of our universities, tend to be in bigger urban areas, and we see that students from urban and suburban communities go to college more than our students in like really rural parts of the state or in some of our larger cities like Detroit. And so Detroit, of course, and Kalamazoo and some other cities have gone the route of creating promise scholarship programs, either at the municipal level or universities have reached out. I know Wayne State is very proactive at, at recruiting students from within the city of Detroit uh, to try to overcome some of that. You know, And for me, I, I'm a first generation college graduate, and I know that my family, it sort of had this idea well going to college is good but you know what do you do with that what's the job you know what's the there wasn't a lot of guidance and so sometimes students get to a university environment and they don't have the familial support that they need maybe they don't have the institutional support that they need if they went to a high school that wasn't necessarily as competitive, um, they may not have some of the, the skills that they need to succeed in the classroom. And so whether that's coming from their family or whether that's coming from the university or college, I think for first-generation students, often they need some sort of extra support to make that transition from their community to 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 the university. And for some people, um, they don't wanna leave their friends and family behind at, at the other part of the state. So you know, there's a social dimension to that as well. I I, I think it can be really complex. And I always think about my uh, graduation from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, where I got my, you know, my bachelor's of art degree and I got my bachelor of music degree too. I, I was doing music performance and uh, my stepfather and mom showed up to the graduation and they were really proud. And, oh, you've done great. Congratulations. Now it's time to go get a job. Here's an application to go work on the line at Ford Motor Company. And um, I was like, well, that's not necessarily the job that I'm looking for with my degree Uh, and so I think there's you know that 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 cultural disconnect where even when families are supportive of of their kids going to college they they don't really know what the pathway looks like and so I think you know Michigan Reconnect is a good start and we can talk more about that but that gets into the question of what else do students need to be successful?
0: And I'm glad you mentioned that because in your piece, you mentioned some policy choices that are presented to characterize scholarship programs, tuition-free versus debt-free, first or last dollar programs, two-year versus four-year credentials, and then eligibility criteria. Can you talk a little bit about these pieces that you broke down?
1: Yeah. So the Michigan Reconnect is very explicit about being a tuition-free program. Tuition-free doesn't mean cost-free, and it doesn't necessarily mean debt-free either. And actually, it's it's tuition-free only insofar as students attend in-district community colleges or approve credentialing or technical education settings. And so there was a Detroit News article recently that estimated that for one in five in Michigan, it's not actually tuition-free. But even accepting tuition-free, there are a lot of costs associated with education. There are, you know, books, which in equipment, supplies, and at the community and technical college level, those can be sometimes as much as the tuition. when you're looking at whether it's nursing supplies or some of your other, uh, Programs and software for technical degrees. Um, a lot of that is, you know, there's an expectation that students get those things, and so that can create a cost barrier. There's uh, transportation. There, it, for some people, childcare is a huge issue if they're going to school. And there's also lost income if, if we're looking at, you know, a working adult population, the hours that they're spending in the classroom, they're valuable long-term investments, but in the short term, those are hours that people are spending where they're not working and earning money. And so there are all these manifest costs that go into programs. uh, And so a tuition-free program doesn't cover those. Uh, Michigan Reconnect is also a last dollar program, which means that students have to fill out federal applications for financial aid, and find all the scholarships that they're eligible for, community colleges or other schools are supposed to look for streams of resources to fund the students' education. And then the Michigan ReConnect kicks in to fill in the difference if there's some balance left. Now the program's new and it's hard to tell exactly how much is being funded by Michigan ReConnect at this point, but my analysis of the programs in Tennessee, which have been around a little longer, found that over 50% of students actually qualified for tuition-free college without the the Tennessee Reconnect or Tennessee Promise programs, because they were eligible for Pell Grants through the federal government, they were eligible for other types of local or state scholarships. And in that way, uh, it, it really turns into Um, a marketing tool I think it's people say free college uh, and they get excited oh well maybe I can afford it and that's great but it also kind of means that we haven't been doing a good job of telling students that there have been resources available the whole time that they could have taken advantage of and actually had tuition free you know college even before Michigan reconnect came onto the map and so I think There's room to do better at connecting students to those resources, and because those other resources are there, it makes it really inexpensive for the state to say, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of people are getting college through this program, but the state's not paying for the majority of that in a lot of cases, and that opens the argument for maybe not last dollar, but, uh, you know, a middle dollar approach where For instance, if students have a lot of financial need where they're eligible for things like the Pell Grant, is there a way to create assistance for books and supplies? When we look at our other economic development programs and the need to provide childcare for for workers, um, what what are we doing for students in, in that realm? And so I think these different tiers and different layers of support are the things that we really need to make sure that going forward, people, you know, these first 91,000 that we have enrolled in Michigan Reconnect, and then, you know, however many enroll in subsequent cohorts, that they actually have the support they need to finish. Because when you look at the Tennessee program, again, there's a lot of attrition where people get in, they, they start off, and then for whatever reason, they, you know, drop back out, and they don't end up finishing the degree. And so that's you know, maybe a worst case scenario where we've invested some money and, and we still haven't boosted the education rates in the state um, and that's not the fault in many cases of the students as much as it is of I think the program structure that assumes that cost is the only barrier to education and doesn't provide the types of um, social and other supports that students need to be successful
0: and thank you so much, Tim, for for that information and your deep diving on this specific topic, um, I and this program. What do Michiganders have to look forward to as it pertains to the Michigan Reconnect Program?
1: I think it's a great program to make people excited about, you know, attaining new credentials. And I think that education is really valuable for everyone. That there are lots of different paths for education, whether that's uh community college degree or maybe later a university degree, whether that's a technical education. So educating Michigan, creating new economic opportunities, that's really exciting and something I think that we would all benefit from. Um, I think at the same time, we wanna recognize that we, we need to make sure that we at the community level prepare students for success. And that means not only creating programs like Michigan Reconnect, but really investing in our community colleges and their ability to work with students and support students to be successful. And likewise, in our career and technical education opportunities, which vary radically uh, in different parts of the state. In some areas, we have really well-funded opportunities and, and in others, not so much. And so making sure that people in every corner of the state have, equitable access to the types of opportunities that will allow them to make choices about what they want to do in in terms of their education, their career, and the ways that they contribute to their communities.
0: And that is so important. Education is so important, especially because it provides a variety of options to, to our people, our young people especially. And with the way society is moving now, there's so much technology. There are so many options. There are so many fields that you can go into but having that education um, at least to have an option is so important and I really hope that this program can grow more and develop. Thanks so much Tim for your research on this program. That's all for our episode of Facts Matter brought to you by the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. Until next time.